I keep seeing people walking around the car, and I'm like, oh my god, there's aliens. I swear to god, there's aliens out there. Uh, thanks for tuning in to I Don't Get It. This is a podcast about performance in Edmonton. I'm Fonda. I'm Andrew. And we are proud to be a part of the Alberta Podcast Network. Powered by, by ATB. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been a pretty busy week, Andrew. Um, how, how are you doing? Uh, not too bad. We are just getting ready for a big old trip out of the country. So um, we're kind of have our to-do list all that we're supposed to be doing in March, packed into February. So yes, just every- trying to keep our heads straight uh, at this point. I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's an understatement. Um, well, I did I did round up some guests and saw some pretty great work uh, on the stages this week. Um, first off, we're going to uh, do our review um, that Laura Boo came in for uh, for Theatre Network's presentation of We Are Not Alone. That's with uh, Damian Atkins, written and performed by him. Um, full disclosure before we go into that review. Laura has known Damien Atkins for a real long time <laughs> and uh, and admits her her um, you know subjectivity <laughs> on, on that part of the review. Right, right. <laughs> All right. So um, for now, uh, we will we'll just go straight to that. Hello everyone. I'm here with a very special guest. Who are you guest? I am Laura Rabu. Hello, Boo. <laughs> um, Laura, Laura, what did we just see? We just saw We Are Not Alone, um, a new play new play written and performed by Damien Atkins yes is part of the theater network main stage season um so so who is Damien Atkins I don't know that I've seen him before well Damien Atkins uh was born in St. Albert and I, I don't know if he was born there but he grew up there and then he went to Toronto and has had a really amazing career um he the first one person show he did was called Miss Chatelaine it was directed by Stephen Heatley and then later he wrote a play called The Good Mother and I'm sure he's written other stuff since then and I just don't know what it is I know that he's done a lot of main stage uh, work I know that he was in Angels in America uh, recently um, wow. he played prior yeah oh that's, that's that's a meaty role yeah so that's all I know about Damien and I grew up he stayed in my house when I was a kid oh so you know him a little Actually, better than many people maybe yeah. <laughs> okay well so um, we are not a alone uh reminds me of the x-files poster yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um so what is uh what is this play about just on on surface what, what is happening in the play it's so funny when you ask me that i'm like the worst at trying to summarize things <laughs> but i'm gonna try for you fonda okay so this play is about damien trying to write a play about ufos and he's trying to keep it together and he's trying to find some meaning uh in this subject that he's picked and it's a one-person show about just going on a journey and following i think your writer's instincts and trying to figure out what's going on <laughs> trying to make sense <laughs> 
of something. Yeah. Um, so you know, in in the play, he's tr- he's learning about. Um, he's trying to research. He gives us some evidence, of course, for um, actual UFOs and things that have truly happened. And then he and his director Christian decide to go to a conference uh, in Phoenix. Um, and it is I don't remember the name of the actual conference, but it is about UFOs and um, experiencers. Yeah. Um, so what are what are experiencers? They're people that have been abducted or experimented on by aliens, um, and they've had traumatic events that have happened uh, from this. And so they get together in these like therapy sessions to sort of like talk it out and talk it through. Yeah. And yeah. so and and how does how does Damien? do all of this for us <laughs> oh he does it with a bare stage yeah he just does it with um amazing lighting design actually mm-hmm. um and just some chairs and his incredible ability to shift into different characters and to story tell yeah he's like there's full-on character scale happening and each character is is so real and they have you know like I mean there's the therapist in the in the experiencers section she has a very distinct way of speaking way of walking there's a filmmaker the way the filmmaker walked you know (laughs) and then just and what is interesting too is that he plays many women um, because uh, the majority of people at this conference he discovers are women Um, and there's a very there's just a, like a really super gravity moment where he kind of looks around and he says what would it be like if you know you had this story and you had an experience and no one believed you and just the weight of that after kind of teeing up all of these female characters which he plays with nuance and subtlety they're not camp well I mean they're kind of campy in a way um, <laughs> all of the characters are a little bit campy but they're not um, they're not like offensive no. or, or overtly silly but he is he just goes through these like incredible sort of like changes and shifts within like blinks of you know seconds um but that weight of that moment where you know he realizes he's all of these women um you know it was it was that me too moment but he didn't say it Mm -hmm. it was just sitting there and it was it was so beautiful yeah that was really beautiful i thought that was really awesome he yes it's a story about empathy it's a story we said it was like it's a story about transcendence it's a story about um finding your place in the universe and and it sort of took me to a place i hadn't thought of he followed me through a journey that i have and and he at the end maybe i won't give it away but he sort of laid something out that i hadn't thought of before and and i did feel like i kind of went to a different place and understanding yeah yeah Yeah. you the the ending of the play again yeah because it's still running for this next weekend (laughs) yeah um and it's but yeah it was one of those instances where you leave the theater and you feel like you you feel good like i i saw the people who are in front of us turn around and everyone was smiling like everyone just had these sort of like soft like knowing like yeah yeah we are not alone (laughs) (laughs) i know it was great and i thought it was a really masterful way of um plowing through this this idea of trying to write a play about uh 
transcripts and things that have actually happened like it's very hard to write a play these days with all of the information that we have and all of the methods we have for research oh you get so bogged down by yeah. things yeah yeah so I thought he did a really good job of sort of like acknowledging that process but like pushing through to actually make something that was connected and authentic you know mm. yeah yeah that was it was interesting the way he kind of like teed up this um, you know he's talking to someone in the beginning of the play about writing a play about UFOs and the sort of like condescending smirks and things like that that he's experiencing back from these people as he tries to say his idea and so he acknowledges the reluctance in the audience to buy it right like as 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 theater goers, you're kind of buying into whatever is in front of you anyway. You you have to to enjoy it. Um, but he's acknowledging that this this particular subject is is out there, and we and we know it's like doubtful and weird and crazy. And I think that that's why the humor in the play works so well, yes. juxtaposed with also that really weird, creepy feeling. You're like, wait, maybe. Maybe he's right. <laughs> maybe maybe I do know this, but I'm just afraid to like acknowledge that I know that and that I feel that. And it's about yeah, it is about like what a kind of what you allow yourself to believe in a lot of ways yeah and just i love the moments that happens in life all the time of just like going down a vortex when you're an empathetic person just like going down a vortex with somebody mm. and then sort of snapping out of it and being like okay okay <laughs> what's happening right now <laughs> you're like i need to get out i need to get away from this person <laughs> this is not real right <laughs> not, not cool not cool um yeah and there were some real interesting um buildup of tension and discomfort too um which which really paid off in the end but there's that one moment where he's talking um it was some kind of oh it was the guy who was having the cigarette outside of the conference and it really re- kind of like a really slow creeping you know the lights narrow in on him and he's, he's just ever so slowly leaning forward and then it's just like snap bang uh, right out of it lighting change and you're like oh my god yeah that was creepy that was totally creepy and he's yeah. just he's he's uh, it's, it's you yeah you just have to like really go in there with him and that was it's really rewarding it feels really um satisfying to watch a performance like that yes and it just takes it's just amazing to me again the power of theater and just how simple it can be and how you can just transport us to different places with our imaginations i know it seems so cheesy (laughs) that's so cheesy it's 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 such a nice it's a nice sentiment though that's fine (laughs) yeah like that's the basis of it like you you magically take us to these places with with four chairs and you, yourself like I, I just that reminder of like of and then, and then like looking at like our artists storytellers that are to bring experiences that they've had to people and mm-hmm. like and what is the meaning of that and why do we find ourselves in specific places at specific times yeah there's there's a beautiful play in the script on that idea that um ideology of the experience you yeah. know like you are one who has had the experience or you are not yeah. and and yeah, and then true. but but they, so yeah you know you can read into the metaphor what is the experience is it art is it spirit is it you know is it god like it's it's yeah, yeah it really it really settles in nicely and not in a mm-hmm. not in an overly heavy like angsty way yeah. but like just just a really nice sort of acknowledgement that like actually no we are all experiencers yeah mm-hmm. it was nice it was really um kind of, I thought a pretty humble like job 
well done like sounds lame (laughs) what's wrong with me today i'm like listening to myself talk i'm like what yeah so anyway well yeah no he had this sort of like authenticity and um to all of the characters like they didn't you know in in terms of that yes i can see the humility in um you know going to a conference with um a bunch of you know people who seem crazy or weird um and realizing that no that's not exactly what that what they are um, because yes. you're there too. <laughs> That's right. And why are you there? <laughs> yeah, we're all humans and we're all just to, yeah, we're all just to share with each other our experiences. Like it's just very basic back mm-hmm. to the yeah. Yeah, and it becomes basics. it becomes a very powerful feeling, and I think that he really nailed it at the end with um, with the closing and like really cool work with the fog. I don't know how it was different than regular theater fog but it, it it did it yeah it also had weight <laughs> yeah and really nice lights again like the lighting which mm-hmm. was just so beautiful yeah the use of the the metallic stool to like uh, refract the light too that was that was pretty awesome yeah. um yeah and but otherwise such a very simple simple set he's just on the stage and there's a couple chairs and a mic and and off he goes so yeah that was that was pretty cool i would I would definitely like to see more of his more of his work. I felt the I felt I went on I went on the trip. Yeah. It was a good trip. It was a good trip. <laughs> well, thanks a lot, Laura, for coming on the podcast again. Thanks, Fonda. All right, let's go get let's go to um oh yeah, let's do an ad. Okay. If you're an artist, check out ATB's branch for arts and culture. It's a bank, music venue, and creative space all in one. So whether you're a musician wanting advice on how to save for a new instrument or an artist looking for a bank that understands how your business works, ATB can help. For more information on the Branch for Arts and Culture, head to atb.com slash the branch. Thank you for that, Andrew. Um, okay, and now next up is um, a review of Deviate, which um, I had a, a very special guest come in who we haven't seen in quite some time. <laughs> um, so yeah, Jen Mesh hopped into the car with me after the show and we talked about um, Deviate, which is a triple bill that was put on by Alberta Ballet. Um, I will note that in the beginning of this, we were talking about um, Wenwei Wang's piece, Futureland, and where we had seen it before. Alberta Ballet did present presented as part of another triple bill back in 2016. So um, we will put that in our show notes, our, our flashback episode to that. Um, but yeah, you'll hear Jen and I trying to figure out when we saw it first. <laughs> um, and then talking about the two other pieces as well. So and yeah, we'll, we'll just hit that now. Well, hello. Um, I'm here in in the car in the Jubilee Parkade with a very special guest uh, to the podcast. Guest, can you introduce yourself and tell us a bit about who you are? Sure, Fauna. Thanks for having me. I'm Jen Mesh. Uh, I'm a dancer in Edmonton. Um, I run an ad hoc dance company called Jen Mesh Dance Conspiracy, and I write criticism occasionally for uh, Dance Current magazine. And I have a blog that I review dance for sometimes. And sometimes I'm on this podcast once every five years. Once every five years, because I remember I'm like, shit, we should ask Jen to be on the podcast again. Here I am, in your car. Yeah, great. Okay, well, what what did we see today, Jen? Um, we saw Alberta Ballet uh, in their DV8 program, which is a triple bill uh, with... Um, Pieces by Wen Wei Wang, Christopher Anderson, 
and um, the choreographer of Alberta Ballet, and I'm not a uh, French speaker. Can you say his name? <laughs> the artistic director of Alberta Ballet is Jean Grad Maitre. Um, and I'm, I'm not a very good French speaker either, so we'll just have to leave it at that. Yeah, I mean, I've seen him speak a million times and say his name, but I'm not, <laughs> I'm not a French speaker, so I didn't want to mess it up. And they were nice enough, nice enough to give us tickets tonight, so thank you, Alberta yeah. Ballet. It was very nice. So um, the evening started off with a piece called Futureland by Wenwei Wang. Um, you want to sort of start us off by telling us a bit about what Futureland sort of looked like, what was happening on the stage? Well, Futureland, you and I have both seen it before. So I think I saw it three years ago, maybe, on the stage of Alberta Ballet, or the Jubilee, also performed by Alberta Ballet. This piece is essentially based on video game culture, video game environments. Um, it uses sort of the Victoria, uh, Vic, victorious music of Victoria, uh, a video game music, um, and uh, there's a lot of starkness, a lot of raw stage. They don't have sets, so then using the sort of mechanical background of inner workings of the stage. Yeah, you can kind of see the guts of the theater in the background. And what I thought was kind of like, you know, a big dramatic flourish sort of nearing the end of the piece was when they started to bring the wing curtains down one by one. It just sort of like emphasized the those those like big flares in the music that were very, you know, like you say, sort of like victorious end of the game sort Heroic. of. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it starts with a huge group of dancers. And I was like, I'm pretty sure I've seen this before uh, just by the title and the explanation of the dance, the description of the dance. And then before the lights even came up, I was like, yes, I've definitely seen this before <laughs> without yeah. even the lights coming up. But yeah, it's, there's kind of a large group of dancers on the stage. I would say 20, 25 people on stage. And it just, the entire dance really has a lot of sharp, angular movements. A lot of, I wouldn't say attacking at each other as much as just general warrior kinds of moves, I would say. Contemporary warrior Mm -hmm. action. Yeah, and, and I remember this from seeing it earlier too. It just felt there was a lot of inspiration from martial art movement, um, like a lot of high leg kicking kind of stuff, kind of movement too. Yeah, I would agree with that. And, you know, I would have to say of a lot of the pieces that I've seen um, presented by Alberta Ballet in the past few years, I would, this one is one that really stuck with me before and I was happy to see it again. I think there have been some changes to the costumes um, I felt, in general, the cost the the costumes included socks this time, and I don't recall that from from before. And you and I kind of recalled different costumes mm -hmm. from even tonight. Yeah, it seemed. I think I remember from last time there were a lot more. It was it was more kind of like strappy warrior, like um, around the shoulder, like emphasis around the shoulders and the torso. Whereas yeah. this one, they were just kind of they're all just sort of like wearing cargo pants and these blue socks. And you had you had an issue with the socks. <laughs> well, the the dancers didn't seem stable on them, and especially in the beginning. And I felt that the in general the dancers didn't warm up until about a third of the way through or maybe even half of the way through. There seemed to be 
some tentativeness on the socks. They were slipping on the socks um, and having a hard time just getting the friction they needed to really go for those really energetic attacks that they were performing. Mm-hmm. Um, I did think that um, as soon as uh, there was there was a soloist that came out, I think it was the fourth scene. Um, we were, I, I feel really fortunate anytime I get to see Ina Gutierrez do a solo because I feel she has this kind of um, like a very captivating suspension like in her movement but yeah Yeah. she is she was so she did she did a solo and then at the end her and um kelly mckinley closed with the duet and uh i feel that those were still like the most standout um kind of uh very very strong parts of the dance yeah i agree those were really and that was toward the end of the piece and i felt like it really came together I know for me personally, dancing in socks on Marley, once you have a little bit of sweat in the socks, you get a little more grip. And <laughs> so they got a little better yeah. <laughs> point of view. Like, yeah, you can usually dance better once you've got a little bit of moisture in the socks. So that's that's what I'm attributing to. All right. <laughs> the ascension of the piece. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, 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 they, they, their feet started sweating and it got better. It was great. <laughs> So, um, well, to contrast that now, let's talk about the second piece. It's called Sixth Breath. Um, The dancers, I was all um, five female or seven female dancers in the end, I think. Um, Eight, even. Yeah, it was was a full cast of female dancers and all in point shoes for this one. Yeah, this one, the completely opposite uh, feeling of the other piece. Uh, It was all females. It's choreographed by Christopher Anderson, who's the new associate artistic director for Alberta Ballet. Um, so as much as this was a complex piece for women, um, I would, it felt a little bit immature. Uh, not that I think it needs to be further developed exactly, um, but it just seemed a bit more like a more complex master's thesis. I don't know how else to say it. Um, and we were talking about it in the theater and one thing that struck me about it is that it's a male choreographer, um, making a piece for eight women and it really did strike me watching it without, I didn't look first to see anything cause I sometimes like to just go into something without knowing anything about it or who did it. But it did really kind of feel like a novel that's written by a man about women about a female protagonist even yeah (laughs) yeah it just felt very um as much as the movement was very flowy and feminine i couldn't relate to really any of it personally um i i didn't see anyone i could relate to in any of the characters and uh go ahead you but you when we were in the theater i thought you brought up a really interesting um uh, metaphor or parallel you called it sort of like the maxi pad commercial <laughs> yeah well there's kind of yeah mm-hmm. it's yeah when you have like so much sort of femininity on the stage this stage set was sort of this beautiful I don't know 50 yard foot of, uh, uh, flow of fabric 
Yeah, yeah. There was one big drape of fabric that was just kind of, that was the only set piece. And really only um, thing that was different than the dancers on stage who were also dressed fairly classically in, um, you know, bodysuit, light pastel bodysuits and, and um, you know, maybe a little slip of a tutu or whatever that was supposed to be. Yeah, there's, yeah, and that was, the little tutu was a bit of flow meant to, or a bit of drape meant to sort of mirror the stage set, I think. But yeah, there's sort of, a genre of dance where it's all women and they're all you know dancing and flowing and free and it just reminds me of sort of 1980s maxi pad commercials where <laughs> it's just like great to be a woman menstruating and yeah. um, it's just like we're ladies everything is so pretty and we're and we're doing fine you know <laughs> yeah that's right there were but there were some characters that came out some very specific pedestrian movements I would call them um, that came out at different times, and then those sort of vanished when the uh, ensemble joined together. And so I wondered where those characters went. I, I, as much as I wasn't completely loving the piece, I sort of just wanted to at least hold on to that part of it a mm -hmm. bit longer. There was one solo in particular that was done in in, in, in just straight silence, uh, danced by Jennifer Gibson. What, uh, what what did you make of that solo part? Um, she seemed a bit lost. The character was a bit lost, um, trying to follow something. She was kind of pointing at something maybe about six inches from her face or maybe a foot from her face. And... Um, and then that sort of expanded into uh, focusing on things that were maybe uh, more in the distance, but in the sky. And I think that's kind of that kind of motif is what makes me think of sort of master's thesis right. projects. <laughs> just there's a there's a focus in the room. You're looking into the beyond at something, and it's not really clear what. Um, you, you also, you had some notes also about the use of uh, chair, chair choreography. Oh yeah, it started out with a chair and they were kind of playing this sort of musical chairs game with the one chair and, and uh, I just, I get a little bit suspicious anytime there's a, a chair in a piece. I had a dance professor who wasn't super opinionated. Um, all of the time. I'm sure she was always opinionated, but she didn't always, you know, pass her judgments freely. But, <laughs> you know, in 1994, she was already totally done with any kind of chair dance. Like, she's <laughs> just like, I never want to see another chair in a dance. And I was just like, oh, just... So from that point on, I just... My awareness of chairs being present in dance pieces was raised, and I just, you know in honor of her I guess I'm always a little bit critical just because if she's done with it by 1994 you know yeah here we are 2019 and what what are we doing with chairs still I think I think I may feel the same way about the use of um fans in plastic bags yeah fans <laughs> plastic bags and boxes <laughs> those, those are all these are all the things we become immediately suspicious of when we see them in dance pieces <laughs> All right. Well, let's let's uh, let's move on to the third piece. Act three was called Chalestus. Um, as John Grandmeister said, it's a, it is a Latin word, um, and you know it's talking about order and chaos. There was um, 
uh, or, or the kind of discrepancy between technology and nature. There was a pretty interesting projection and video design um, by Wendy Tilby and Amanda Forbes sort of backdropping this. And it was also scored by Andrew Staniland in, a, vi- in a, new, a new composition that was made specifically for Alberta Ballet for this piece. Yeah, um, right. So yeah, what are your starting thoughts on this one? Um, I immediately was surprised by it. Um, I know uh, choreographers use projections a lot, even with the uh, ballet that was to music by Katie Lang. Um, I thought the animations were interesting. To me, it sort of started with outer space and um, and the beginnings of humanity and our technology with writing and symbols and mathematics and then there was a sort of big finish of the first act with like the barcode yeah all these scenes sort of become the barcode and the scanner yeah scans (laughs) across the dancers Mm -hmm. and then it moves on into more of this kaleidoscope um and very uh these um i would call it a double pas de deux um with the dancers in uh doing very symmetrical Things yeah, they're really mirroring each other. Yeah, yeah. and mm-hmm. so then from sort of black and white, stark outer space, and and hieroglyphics, and leading into Euclidean geometry to um, these very colorful kaleidoscope patterns. Yeah, that it turned more. It, it the second part turned more organic. Like it seemed more human after, yes. um, even though the things that were all in the like the images that they were harking to in the beginning were all created by humans. Um, the second part felt more natural, yeah. um, like more like a, a, or organic. I guess is the word that I I think can describe it in the way that I felt about it. Um, what were but what was the the movement itself though was mm-hmm. very. I don't know. Some of it was a little bit disconcerting. There were some really angular, odd shapes that the bodies were making. Yeah, I, I, I just uh, felt he was um, mirroring some of the angular um, aspects of the atomic geometry that was represented mm-hmm. and the Euclidean geometry. Um, he was sort of, uh, there were a lot of lifts and turns with people in really extreme angles, um, that I hadn't really seen before. Uh, I really liked his use of, um, passing off energy between dancers, between soloists, between duets, between larger groups. I think there were about, uh, I guess there were six couples in this? There were ten, there were ten dancers. There, ten, so it's couples. five and five, yeah. Yeah, so five men, five women. And um, I just, that, I thought he did a beautiful job with that, really. A really interesting job. It was not super predictable. Um, but yes, it was disconcerting, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really liked that. I thought it was a daring work for him and for the company. Um, and I know he said this is a very expensive show for them because they (laughs) did have so much expensive design. They had 12 designers for the three pieces plus uh, commission work for this composer. So um, what did you think of the music? I really, I I really liked the music but what it made me think of most was like, kind of like Twilight Zone or uh, maybe like Outer Limits where there's this sort of um, 
general foreboding-ness and then really big, like, creepy finish. <laughs> uh, I, I sort of felt like it was Stravinsky, then Gorechki, then maybe... Wagner. <laughs> and this is where Jen shows that she knows a lot more about classical music than I do. <laughs> well, there's any anyone could call bullshit on any of those things, but I mean, it was you know, it certainly wasn't Wagner, but it was sort of like Oslo Spock sort of threw stuff for a second mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. as we went into the final stage, which the one of the more obvious symbols of this piece was a very no um apparent earth that's on fire that's sort of like um you're burning the planet to the ground (laughs) yeah and it actually i really had a hard time with that because at first i was like oh no it's a global warming dance (laughs) but then like i felt really a lot of loss as it just sort of like faded away from us and the dancers Mm. are left there and then it just you just see the earth fade away and I, I did feel I, w- I was moved by it in the end but mm-hmm. you know I, of course my cynical self was like oh well, okay that's really obvious but of, of, of most of the of most of the videography and animation that was happening everything else was fairly abstract but that was quite a blatant image like it was like oh yeah that's the earth just like burning <laughs> yeah flames yeah actual like flames <laughs> um yeah and and that final that final um ending image the the bodies just sort of like not not crumpled on the ground but like in this strange sort of like angular um, yeah. kind of like crab, crab-like, but all, not upside down. I don't know. It was a strange position. <laughs> yeah, they were prone and sort of, you know, had one arm up and strained behind their back, and it was sort of lurching them up off the ground, but they were certainly sort of very attached to the ground. S- so it kind of gave you this idea of, you know, they were tethered, they were, mm-hmm. but still fighting for life maybe but it wasn't sort of like I'm on my back fighting for life yeah there um you're ta- you mentioned earlier about the lifts um I've I've seen before uh, the choreographer uses these I, I don't know how else to describe them as sort of like a pushing lift where he where the male dancer is holding the female and she's moving towards out like in the direction of her outstretched legs whereas normally you would think you know she's being swept away from her feet um so so it feels almost like um it it just it, it's an automatic tension that you normally don't see in classical ballet. And that was kind of, um, there was a lot of use of that I felt in the lifts too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was beautiful. Yeah. Well, thanks. Thanks so much, Jen, for returning to the podcast. Oh, thanks so much for having me. It was lovely, a lovely evening. Coming soon, you can catch That's a Thing live in a session called The Internet is My GSA. Mom and daughter podcast duo Elizabeth Spencer and Karen Unlin will record on March 17th at the Skirts of Fire Festival, which features the work of women in the arts in Edmonton. You'll hear their regular kind of chat about modern media, and then they'll have a panel with guests from the fest. For more info about That's a Thing and all of APN's member podcasts, visit albertapodcastnetwork.com.
Good work. Nice. Yeah. Woo. I only tripped once. It's great. <laughs> hey, I finally got my ad read down in one shot. There you go. We're, we're Folks, seeing... sometimes this is, takes a little while to get <laughs> our act together <laughs> behind Especially the scenes over like, here. Sunday morning. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Well, um, so what uh, what's coming up, Andrew? All right. Well, until March 3rd, We Are Not Alone by Damien Atkins is playing at Theatre Network. And until March 17th, Matilda is running at the Citadel Theatre, has been getting lots of rave reviews. Also until March 3rd, Mesa by Doug Curtis is playing at Varscona Theatre. Uh, with Julian Arnold, Kathy uh, Dercatch, and Richard Lee starring in that, so that should be a lot of fun. Yeah, it's directed by Patricia Darbasia as well, so Ooh, very, nice. very, very stacked, stacked crew in that one. Um, starting up on February 27th and running till the 9th, uh, La Boheme is being presented by Mercury Opera at Chez Pierre. And you can catch the Skirts of Fire Festival from March 7th to 17th. And that's mainly playing up here uh, around Alberta Avenue, I believe. Isn't yeah, it? it's in our hood. Um, and yeah, and on March 8th, there's a special presentation of Shumka's Ancestors and Elders at the Jubilee Auditorium. Um, and I think I think it's good. I think we'll leave it at that. All right, perfect. Well, thanks for tuning in, everyone. Yeah, thanks. Go see some shows. Bye. Bye. I Don't Get It is a member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or check us out on albertapodcastnetwork.com or the CKUA radio app. I Don't Get It is recorded on Treaty 6 territory in Edmonton, Alberta in the Edmonton Community Foundation's podcast studio. Our theme music is Mountain Time by Ghibli and you can find more of Ghibli's music by going to ghibli.bandcamp.com. I Don't Get It is produced by Andrew Paul, Fonda Mithrush, and Paul Blenoff. Sit here thinking, I love